So it's Rams and Sands, and tonight we welcome again back on air Pitankuna, Senior Assistant Ombudsman at the Ombudsman for Short-Term Insurance. And we want to talk about short-term insurance. Any issue that you've got on short-term insurance, I suggest you start calling now. We don't have much time. 89 uh, We're going to talk about excess. Tonight we want to focus a lot on excess, but we are free to talk about anything. If you want to call us, call us about anything regarding short-term insurance. But I'm going to spend a bit of time with Peter on excess so that we understand how excess works and the different types of excess, why excess is necessary, etc., etc., etc. Mr. Nkuna. Good evening, Rams, and good evening to the listeners of Metro FM. Are you well, my brother? No, all is well, thank you, and we trust the same goes for you. Mm-hmm. Excess, in the simplest of terms, for somebody with nothing beyond a grade 10 like myself, what is it? Um, the most accessible language used to explain an access an access is um, some insurers call it a first amount payable, mm-hmm. um, and that basically speaks for itself. When you put in a claim, you will have to make a contribution towards that claim. Mm-hmm. Um, other insurers um, explain it as an uninsured portion of the claim which means that um, you carry that part yourself. Mm. So the insurer carries the rest of, of, of the claim while you carry that portion of the claim. So those, those are the most common yes. explanations. For, for I like the second one more than the first one, but that's just me and we're not going to go into that. I, I like the second <laughs> one more. Uh, are there instances, are there situations where people get excess-free insurance? or take excess-free insurance? Yes. Um, There are actually a lot of ways one can get um, excess-free insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, The most common one, I suspect, would probably be for um, retirees and pensioners. Mm -hmm. A lot of of insurance companies do make provision for, for them uh, to automatically not have excesses applying uh, where they are concerned. And the main reason is basically that a lot of instances, um, retirees and pensioners would be considered to be much, much lower risks than younger people. Mm. Um, another instance would be there's something called an excess buster. Um, also, in some instances, another product which sort of work along similar lines, uh, something called an excess buyback. And basically what that means is that you insure also the excess. So mm. um, let's say on your main policy, your excess is 3,000 rand. Then um, the insurer has another product where you insure that excess so that at the time when you claim, um, your excess will be paid by the excess buster holder or the excess buyback holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you pay, let's say, if I'm going to say 15 rand towards that 3,000 rand excess. Yes. So instead of you paying the 3,000, the buyback or the buster will then contribute that for, for your for your claim. Um, one thing to perhaps highlight there is a lot of instances, the excess buster or excess buyback would 
tend to apply only to a basic access, and a basic access applies mainly in instances where there are multiple accesses applicable to your policy. And there are policies where there will be a flat rate access, and um, once, let's say for argument's sake, they say you pay your 3,000 rent, once you've paid that 3,000 rent, there's nothing further to pay. But there are policies or insurance companies where they use more than one access. Mm-hmm. So you'll find that the basic access that you pay, and then there could be any number of additional accesses that one has to pay. For example, um, they'll say things like, if the car is being driven by somebody younger than 25 years of age at the time of the accident, then there will be an additional such and such mm, amount. Mm, um, okay. If the accident happens uh, between 10 o'clock at night and uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe there will be another so so amount. Um, if, for example, your license is younger than two years, you've held a license and for not more than two years, there could be an additional access. Um, mm. Sometimes it will be something like if you claim for the second time or the third time within a space of six months or however long, then there is an additional access that applies to. And yeah, okay. these are some of the examples of what one could come across. I, I Okay. Uh, in a, in in one line, Peter, wouldn't it just make sense that these things are built into insurance once and for all, so that there's no excess when the time goes? You know, I'm gonna make a a, a a bad example. If I if I bought a car, uh, I would want that car to take me everywhere I go. It it can't say, but if you want to go to Cape Town then you probably need to buy another gear lever or something like that. You know, can't, can't I just have this car that's going to do everything when I want it? Before you respond, I need to take a short break. I know my example is so poor, Peter, but I will get back to it. Give me a second. We are on Rams and Sands and we're talking short-term insurance. In particular, tonight we're talking access uh, with our resident expert. Uh, he's a senior assistant ombudsman at the Ombudsman for Short-Term Insurance, Peter Nkuna. Uh, Peter, I've, I've thought of a rephrased question for this question. So, uh, you know, when I when I take a uh, when I rent a car for whatever reason, I always say to them, "Give me the super cover." So, say they would have given me a cover for two hundred rand a day, and I when I say make it super cover, then it becomes two hundred and forty-two rand a day. But suddenly my liability drops from 50,000 rand to 12,000 rand. And I'm thinking, for 42 rand, that should have been okay. Why don't we just make it part of the package that let me be charged an extra 30 rand on my insurance to, to put away the 3,000 rand excess? Well, you, you can actually do that. Um, a lot of insurance companies do allow you to um, negotiate your access and, and generally how it works loosely is that um, you can play around with your access and your premium. Mm-hmm. So if you want to lower your premium then your access will probably go up mm. and if you want to lower your access your premium will also go up. So 
for some people, it may be more suitable to have as little of an access as, as possible applying to their claims. Yeah. And for others, um, they may be thinking, I'm a safer driver, therefore I'm not likely to claim. Mm. And for that reason, I would rather lower my premium. And um, and sometimes it also may be a question of access to cash. Yes. Um, yes. If if you've got a ten thousand rand sitting around that you are keeping for such a thing, then perhaps you can use that to lower your premium. So you you can do that with most insurance companies. Uh, but perhaps one thing to point out is that a lot of them will insist on at least a minimum access, and the reason why they do that is to discourage people from claiming unnecessarily. Mm. And remember what you're doing when you take up insurance cover. You are um, minimizing the risk that you carry and that should be handing it over to the insurance company. Mm. So some people end up abusing that simply because there is nothing that comes from my pocket if I need to claim, if there is no access. But if I also have to pay a 10,000 rand every time I clean, that might just make me a little bit more careful um, and perhaps not prone to putting in claims and perhaps even in terms of managing the risk myself. Um, maybe I'll drive a little bit better knowing that I may be required to put in a 3,000 rand access should I be involved in an accident. So it's just one way that the insurance companies use to make sure that um, people don't claim unnecessarily and that they also manage the risk properly. Okay. I, I probably have a, a follow-up question, but I'm not going to ask. I've asked the listeners to call you, uh, so I'm going to give them the first chance. If I have more time, I'll go. There's some follow-up I have there, Peter, but let, let's. this is show for listeners. So 89 that's the number to dial. Let's start with Zakele. Good evening. Thank you for calling. What's your question? Good thing, Rams. I have a problem with ombudsman, you know. Uh, they claim to be helping people, but in an actual fact, they don't help at all. They are very inefficient. They take a lot of time to come back to us, like give us like responses to the, to the problems that we've brought to them. Mm. Like I had a problem about two years ago whereby uh, the insurance company didn't want to pay my claim because of certain allegations they had towards me. Mm. And then because of I'm black, of course, I don't have money for lawyers. Then I went to the ombudsman to seek for help. And then the ombudsman couldn't help me also. Uh, they said, no, they can't make a decision on this case. And But now, where do I go? You know, now I'm sitting with a credit of 150000 that I'm still paying today because I couldn't get help. Because these insurance companies take us take advantage on us because they know that they can reject our claims. There's nothing that we're going to do. We don't have money for lawyers. And the ombudsman is, uh, for me, it's useless, you know. So, like, we, 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 we're going to have this problem with short-term insurance because... Uh, you know, I'm very emotional because mm. uh, I, I was left left with a lot of debt uh, because of this issue. You know, and these guys they continue to take advantage on us, and they they always uh, employ these private investigators, which are all white uh, white uh, companies. Mm. And these white people they come in and actually, when they come looking for information, they they want to to find uh, reasons to reject your case, mm. and then they go lie to the insurance company. These insurance companies, they actually appoint these private investigators. But of course, when they come there, they want to save money. So these guys will even lie on the report that they send to the insurance. 
And then based on those lies, they'll then reject your claim. And then now you go to the embassment, they'll use the second, the very same report which lies, with lies. And then at the end of the day, you don't get help. Okay. I, I, I heard you, Zakele. We're going to, uh, we're going to, we'll, we'll come back to that later. Anonymous, good evening. Yeah, good evening, sir. Mm, how can we help? Um, I submitted a claim with my insurance for my business, and I really appreciate the topic you were treating earlier on regarding small business owners, mm. of which all my equipment was stolen. And now I'm being told that those equipment are not going to be replaced, and that means I need to probably enter into the bank or probably look for somewhere to loan money from to get my equipment back to be able to be operational. I try to um, raise um, points on why they should cover this because I'm not even defaulted within the period I've been with these people. And till now, I've not gotten answers. But today, I submitted, um, I submitted a, a complaint to Ombudsman and I just wish that's the only way I could manage to get answers. Because unfortunately, I cannot afford to pay a lawyer, mm. or probably I may be closing up the business because I won't have equipment to operate again. Anonymous, uh, what, was your insurance specifically to cover that equipment that was stolen? Yes. Okay. They, I, I made it very clear to them while taking the cover that um, these equipment are often out and in with me. Mm. Um, so I would always be with them in my car. And, and, and now they are saying because there was no forceful entry into the car, they are not probably going to be covering. Oh, so so that's that's the reason for the repudiation. There was exactly. there was no I forceful mean, entry. Yes, and basically, like the earlier um, person spoke, you know, the way they interrogated you for over three hours, like you are the criminal, and. Mm. It's it's just um, it's it's just a way to look for a loophole out. I've made complaints to the senior managers regarding this, but yet I still had no answer regarding mm-hmm. this. I've asked for a voice recording for all our conversation with the salesperson. Mm-hmm. Still, I didn't get answers regarding okay. that. I even still put it as a point today: can I get the voice recording? And it wasn't sent through to me. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask you to listen on the radio. We'll take one caller again, one uh, one more caller, and then go back to Peter. And the caller is also named Peter. Thank you for the call, mate. How can we help? Hi, good evening. How are you? Good. Good, good. I've got two questions for my brother there in mm. the studio. Uh, one, I submitted a claim in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. And in, I, in 2017, around November, I only got a letter to repudiate the claim in 2018, December, a year later. Mm. And uh, when I asked the insurer what was the problem, the guy said they don't know because why it took that long to repudiate the claim. Um, I refer the matter to the ombudsman and send that report, that letter for the repudiation of the claim. And the ombudsman did nothing about it. That's one. Two, I had a very interesting claim again where uh, it was, um, you know, uh, for the house where I've put a claim and an assessor came and said, no, um, there was some structural damage. 
because of the movement of the house uh, outside. Now, I said to them, can you please get an engineer so that the engineer can confirm what he's saying? The engineer came, the engineer says, no, the paint that was used was an inferior paint, which was a plascon paint. Now, there were two scenarios. Uh, they were saying it's an, the engineer said it's a paint, and then the assessor said, no, there was a structural damage. Now, that claim was repudiated again. I wrote to the ombudsman, and then I sent all the information Plascon wrote a report to say that our paint is guaranteed for five years. It's not our paint. And the other guy says it was a structural damage. That claim was not paid as well. So I agree with the other uh, previous callers that, you know, the ombudsman at some stage, it looks like they are being used against us without looking at the matter uh, and substantiate the facts. And all these things get to be repudiated, and that's, that's it. Oh, I'm sorry about your 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 problems, Peter. And let let's uh, let's hear what Peter can say, and hopefully we can find solutions. Now, now, Peter Nkuna, I'm gonna ask that we don't respond to these issues individually because the, the theme is the same. For me, there are three uh, three themes that I picked up here. One is, can we speak about the powers again of the ombud, ombudsman? Yeah. And and two, yeah, I, I think is to also say what happens when you have also come out and because I don't think the ruling is that you can't do something about it. I think people are putting it wrong. I suspect your ruling is that you you agree with the insurer about their ruling. Uh, so when you have agreed with the insurer, what else could I do? Is that the end of the story? And maybe lastly for me is probably look at uh, is there a reputational issue here? Because I think people keep on talking about assessors interrogating them as if they were criminals. Is the industry suffering a reputational issue there? So could, could I ask the question in that way? All right. Um, maybe let's start with the last one. Yes. Um, look, we, we deal with a lot of complaints. And um, I can tell you that there are instances where what the complainants have been saying is true. Where, When you look at the facts, it is very clear that they were treated unfairly. Mm. Uh, either by the assessor themselves or the insurance company or some other party in that regard. Mm. Then you also find instances where it is the exact opposite, where it is the insured person who is trying to take advantage of the system and they are abusing it. So you've got both extremes, and then, of course, the the middle where there's a little bit of wrongdoing by this party and a little bit of wrongdoing by that party, and um, we then look into the matter and we will assess it based on the merits of each case. And, and I think there is a perhaps... A, a, a misconception and a misperception out there where people take the ombudsman to be somebody that is going to be fighting for them. Mm. And yes, the ombudsman will fight for you, but the ombudsman can only fight for you where you actually have a case. Mm. Um, if through our investigations, we can find that there was some wrong done to you um, as a, a consumer of insurance uh, products and services. Then there will be recourse that we can take on your behalf to make sure that your rights are honored. 
Um, but if you don't have a case, um, there, there is absolutely nothing that we can do. We, we do not make miracles. We use the law and we apply the law to the facts and the evidence that has been presented by the both parties. So um, if there is some allegation by either of the parties and it is not substantiated, we will obviously not be able to find in favor of that party because there is no substantiation or evidence um, in favor of that party. And I think that's the one big thing that people uh, perhaps don't understand. Mm. Um, In order to succeed with your claim, um, there must be evidence that supports it. If you don't have that evidence, you will not succeed with your claim. And likewise, when the complaint comes to our office, when we evaluate all the information and you are making allegations about something, but it is not substantiated, we will not be able to help you. Mm. Um, and maybe I, I can just give a quick example. Just this week, I, I came across one complainant who walked into the office and the person that was dealing with his claim was not available at the time, so I was called upon to assist. And when I spoke to this guy, he had insurance, um, on the basis of he was using his car for taxi business. Um, and it was found. And in fact, he, his own driver, uh, confessed this to the insurance company that they were using the car for running a security business. They're not taking out your claim. He was not very happy, but that's what was there mm. available as part of the facts and circumstances that we had to, to consider. And, and that happened a lot of instances, especially when it comes to uh, drunken driving cases. Yes. Um, a lot of instances you find people coming up and giving stories that um, try to hide what was going on. And it, it, when people do investigations, that information will come out. Um, and if it comes out, there's nothing, however powerful I may be, there's nothing I'll be able to do. If you went to court, you would not be able to get that case won uh, if, if you don't have evidence supporting you. And those are the things that people just need to understand. We do have our limitations yes. because we can only work on the facts. We can only work on the law that is applicable in the, in the circumstances. And then perhaps the last big point to, to point out is... Um, there are instances where it's a question of he says, she says. Mm. And and because I would not have been part of the discussions and there is no evidence that can be presented either way, um, then it is not possible to know who between the two parties is The only way that you can tell evidence would be through the cross-examination of the witnesses. And we cannot do that because our methods, uh, our investigations are conducted on paper and documented evidence. So in those instances, you will say to the party, guys, you have looked into this thing, we are not able to know what the facts are. And if you don't know the facts, you can't apply the law to something that you don't know. So the best place for you guys to go is to court, where it's... A, a witness can be cross-examined, asked all the pertinent questions until it becomes clear which of the two parties um, has a, a case. And, and even in court, it is possible that the court may be in a position where it cannot decide mm. on, on some of the things. Um, people might have heard of things, uh, references to absolution from the instance and things like that, uh, or case dismissed. 
when they say the court dismissed the case, it's because the the party that approved the court trial system was not able to prove its case. And therefore, the, the court cannot find in favor of that party. And it's the same thing even in our office. If you approach our office with a complaint that the complaint cannot be properly substantiated, uh, we may not be able to assist. There are instances where um, we ourselves may be able to do it even and maybe a little bit of legal um, uh, expertise that one can use to say, look, but guys, um, if you consider one, two, three, perhaps you could also approve this thing differently. Mm, mm. Um, but unfortunately, uh, whether or not one succeeds ultimately depends on the strength of their case and the available evidence. Peter, uh I'm going to take a short break and still conclude. We've reached the end, but I, I, I need to still ask you that one last question, and then we conclude. All right. We are concluding our conversation with Peter Nkuna, the uh, senior uh, assistant, um, uh, assistant ombudsman at the Ombuds for short-term insurance. I have completely run out of time, Peter, but I'm going to ask you to quickly give me one line on this one. Is it still uh, not advisable? I, I know that you told me the, the, the other reasons, but on, on access itself, would it help a lot of people if they considered to take more pain in premiums and reduce access than to allow for a bigger access? Because I find that it's worse for somebody to be told after their car is hijacked that, well, before we give you whatever we have to give you, you still have to give us the, the 10,000 rand. Yeah, look, um, it, it's a difficult one because that sort of uh, goes into sort of giving financial advice. Yeah. And one needs to assess each individual and their own needs and circumstances individually to be able to comment on something like that. For some people, it may make better sense to have a higher access and for others um, to have a lower access. So okay. It's an okay. individual decision based on every person's own consideration. I am answered. I am answered. I may not be happy, but you answered me. And I'm happy you answered me. Thank you, my brother. Uh, always wonderful chatting to you. And uh, have a great evening. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Peter Nkuna, Senior Assistant Ombuds at the uh, Ombuds uh, for Short-Term Insurance.